We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. I'm taking is moodiness and the inability to sleep. My daughter takes steroids for her lungs. I'm just wondering if she's going to come out and like slap me or something. <laughs> We are recording now, too, just in case you don't want your medical information out there. I'm cool to have my medical information out there. People can know I had a weak lung or have a weak lung. Because it was only one lung. It was only one, like, part of my chest that was in pain. It was weird. (laughs) It knocked me out. So it was super fun. I'm glad that you're feeling hyped up from those steroids and that you're ready to go lifting weights. I'm so ready. I also have ginger beer. Like, that puts me in a good mood. Like, the good ginger beer, not the shit ginger beer. Since you told me I was wrong, so I can't mansplain steroids, let me mansplain ginger beer. I don't know anything about it, but I think that that's that's kind of the point of mansplaining (laughs) a little bit, right? Like, I can just say it (laughs) with enough white guy authority that... (laughs) If you say it with enough confidence, you can kind of assert yourself into anything. (laughs) Ginger beer is one of those things that I I don't know about, and I love it so much, and that's partly why I haven't looked into it, because I'm drinking Mountain Dew right now, which I don't normally do, but I turned 20 in like an hour and a half so i wanted to celebrate happy early birthday thank you thank you but like ginger beer like i know nothing about mountain dew makes me feel guilty because like i'm like there's a person's worth of sugar in there there really is though and i enjoy every job of it but i know it takes a year off my life every sip and ginger beer like i just like to pretend it's healthy and it makes my alcohol healthy yeah I discovered ginger beer when I was in the UK. I'd never really had it before. I think I knew it existed, but I just never have had it. And it's a lot more common there just as a soda drink. You can just get it at any, not like a McDonald's or anything, but any like sit-in restaurant instead of ordering like a Pepsi or a Coke or something. You can also order a ginger beer. They have it in really big two liter. Well, they don't really have two liters in the UK. One point eight liters. They're really skinny bottles. I don't even know if they measure in liters there. I forget. But well, just so you know, you can order a ginger beer most places that serve alcohol here, just like right off the counter because they have it for other alcohol drinks. So if you just want to chill, get ginger beer. If you can, but they don't like, advertise cocktails. it like that. No, like, they don't no, have it like, on don't... the menu. Here's a ginger beer. Yeah, people, and also like we don't keep it next to the Pepsi, right? Like you go to a gas station. No, and I have to go to the um, I have to go to the alcohol section of the supermarket. Yeah, to get ginger beer. To even find ginger beer, and it's non-alcoholic. Like at least the ones I get there are alcoholic ginger beers but the ones that i get are non-alcoholic no no ginger beer for the most part is non-alcoholic but it's a mixer for the most part yeah. here in the u.s now unless you're 100 like me uh or you apparently you're also now an old lady you know i was thinking of you i just watched uh kingsman 2 with the wife i've never seen kingsman what about kingsman made you think of it's me? super british and i know you're ah. just a fucking nerd about england um, so i just yeah yeah so i just was like sometimes when i hear somebody say bruv i think of Charday. oh i've never called somebody bruv in my entire life nor should you so please glad. don't please don't do the madonna you know bruv. like you're well from i call Michigan. you bro and bruh all the time so now now time we're gonna do bruv gonna first bruv. we're gonna switch to bruv okay yeah, thanks. we're just gonna thanks bruv yeah everybody that is even remotely british that listens to the show will immediately never listen again i mean no offense i lived in your country for two and a half years <laughs> They're no, it's okay. I have friends that are British, like that. is what you just it's okay. said. I have friends who are British. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I have ancestors who are British. <laughs> I 
Right. Which is what every American says that people in England and in Europe just think is the weirdest thing. But they just don't understand that we don't have culture here. So, like, we've got to steal it but they to don't feel like we belong. Really, like, that, I, that's the – listen, there's a million things that I have problems mm-hmm. with when it comes to racist people. But that's one of the ones – when they're like, go back to where you came from, like the combination of racism and yeah. xenophobia that never I'm like, yeah. we're not from here. And not even like, not uh, oh, it's here. ours now or anything. Like, it's like really recent. And we came, most of the people that they're yelling at, we came over at like the same time. That's kind of the point. Yeah. And that's what I, said. I was like, this just sounds so dumb. It's like just the dumbest way that you could be a piece of shit. Have you seen <laughs> the Statue of Liberty? Do you know how many people pass through Ellis Island? Who did not originally come from here? Who you might be related to? You know, I Do think you... the um actually kid originated with the Statue of Liberty. When I think about it, because really, uh, yeah, I remember when I was like six, the the kid pu- pushing up on his glasses and being like, you know, it used to be, you know, it's bronze, so it actually. <laughs> it is. I didn't re- realize. I that think copper, recently. but I <laughs> waiting for the kid. He just yeah. pushed up his glasses again. He's like, it's actually it's copper. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that it actually was that until like somewhat recently. But when somebody's pointed out, I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes it sense. It makes sense, right? <laughs> of, yeah, when it oxidizes. So I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But it just never occurred to me because all of the actual quote photographs and videos that we have of it from that around a similar time where it was given to us, they're all black and white. Like you can't really tell. You know, like the one uh that made made a lot of my friends talk about it and like people learn it in like my friend group was in fringe. There's a season where they go to an alternate reality mm. where they stopped it from oxidizing. So it was still oh. like, like still had the copper sheen. And so I remember that being a whole talk, and I, one of my buddies was like, oh, it's so weird that, like, there's this copper. And <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Dave, God bless him, like, not like none of us are, are that smart, but Dave never purports to be any sort of genius. And he just goes, mm-hmm. you dumb motherfucker, ours is copper, too. <laughs> 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 it just lives with me forever. Uh but, oh my god i never got into fringe like i saw that's, that's it all so the good. time on like tumblr it was one of the tumblr shows that came up on my tumblr, feed a lot Jesus Christ. yeah tumblr fringe. on top of like all of you know supernatural and Sherlock yeah it's a similar vibe right a supernatural uh i i yeah. liked it because it started out as a police procedural basically it was x-files but more of the police yeah that's procedural. what i heard yeah you know, like every kind episode opens vibes. up with like the the crazy supernatural thing that's happening usually scientific based and cut mm-hmm. to the the mad scientist and his son and their fbi counterpart investigating right but after season one it becomes super serialized there's still some cases that are like case of the week but for the most part super duper you know serialized episode to episode and it gets really really good but nobody watched it but me i'm convinced that like i'm the only person that made it to season five but i, I will think always you love are, it you, uh, there are so many people on tumblr who watched it with you i can attest to that i need to get I on tumblr that's the problem that. is i never made it to tumblr i missed it out how I, could you have never have made it to tumblr never made it to tumblr never had a what wow. like I'm I never had a Wattpad, no. Well, oh, I thought I just, uh, from your, um, you know, uh, what's the what's the word? fan fiction, I thought you would have made it to I Wattpad. didn't even know what Wattpad was until after I stopped writing fan fiction, actually. Oh, man, see, is it that word, are we showing that we actually are young? Like, is it just like an elder millennial thing? That I don't know. Because I, I mean, 
I knew fanfiction.net. I wrote on niche sites specifically for the fandom that I wrote for. 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've seen your stuff on the very specific. That's when you were like, if you're going to find it, you're like, you need to go. When Terry does his monthly Google of all my fanfictions to reread all of them. It's come up more times than you think. Like it is not. Shut up. it, It has. The things that we've worked on together and then just, like, you know, mm. other things. You were just like, oh, if you could find it. And it was like a fun scavenger hunt, basically. I challenge people to find my fan fiction all the time. I also challenge people to find um, videos of me on YouTube from when I was in choir and musicals. Because they don't believe me when they say, listen, you Google my name, you will find everything about me. <laughs> because my name is very unique. So yeah, if it's... you just search Charday, the musical Charday was in, that's you'll find me but my fan of, fiction is uh, harder to find you have to know what fandom i wrote for what ship i wrote for and what my name was that's how i got was. it is because you dropped your your then pen name basically yeah and i, I might like, drop oh, it one of the days on the patreon who knows it'll I'll be fun it'll piece. be fun for him yours isn't as fucked up as anything else i've read on the same site Aww. so I mean, like, you know, listen, it was good for sure, but like, there's some <laughs> fucked up stuff there, you know? No, there are. I was very, it was weird. I, I was very canon centric in terms of like a lot of the lore stuff, but then I, you know, I did a little bit of NSFW, but not like super explicit because I was a teenager and I didn't know anything. Yeah, you didn't know about Nadia at other the people time, did. right? Yeah. No, I did not. And I just found out what that was a couple of weeks ago on TikTok because this poor woman now runs a TikTok account where she has to explain the Omega verse. And I watch it all the time because I have no idea what any of that is. Oh, and man. I get educated through her. You got to go back in time. So there's actually a conversation out there on the internet. You can do a deep dive on my internet past if you want and look up some of my previous podcasts. They're still up on YouTube somewhere. And you know, a young Charday yeah. guested on one. And we talked about nodding, and she laughed and looked at us like she knew what we were talking about. But we could tell that she didn't, because you had mentioned no, the fan no fiction, idea. and we're making jokes about nodding, <laughs> and, stuff, and you're like laughing un- uncomfortably. I just, I just didn't want to admit that I had no idea. What you were talking yeah, you didn't want to admit that you were a fake, fake fangirl. <laughs> I was a fake fan. I just didn't know anything about that side of fan fiction. I was so in my own. Because you're a real fan. fan That's the thing world. I was saying. Like it's a, a fake, I'm fake a real- fangirl, double fake. You can be a real fan and know what nodding is. You can. There's no Stop. such thing as a fake fan. I I, I always it's say true. that as a joke. I, I just went into it like I was having dinner with one of my buddies, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Hey, I wanted to get this shirt. I think it was a Batman shirt. It might have been some. No, Sailor Moon. It was a Sailor Moon. Because mm. my, my daughter got a bunch of Sailor Moon stuff for her birthday." And she was like, oh, I wish I could wear Chelsea. something like that. And I was like, you can. Like, my buddy, Chelsea, who's been on this show and, and other shows on the network as well, you'll know her. Um, she was like, I wear Sailor Moon shit all the time. And our other friend was like, well, yeah, but you're a real Sailor Moon fan. And we were just like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, if you like what it looks like, you can, you're a fan. Yeah. Like, you don't have to read. It's just like the people who are like, can't wear that Batman shirt. You've never read every issue of I Batman. I was, oh. And even on top of that, I think it also extends to, oh, you can't wear that Led Zeppelin shirt if you've never listened to, like, their whole discography. Like, you can listen to one Led Zeppelin song, like that song, see a t-shirt with Led Zeppelin on it, and buy it. That's fine. I think you, you can, can really buy it because like you like what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I just hate people like that. Like, I know a lot of people that are like, dig Harley Quinn's thing. 
And when I mentioned some of the mm-hmm. things that Harley Quinn has done, they're like, that's kind of fucked up. Should I be wearing this shirt? And I'm like, ah, who cares? Like, you like what it looks Al like. Al gives a shit. She's like, a made-up character. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Who gives a fuck? Uh, uh, one of my friends, my friend Haley, she doesn't even really read comics, but she loves cosplay and loves the aesthetic yeah. of, like, cover art. She's got a shit ton of cover art. She's also an awesome artist. But she doesn't read the comics, and she gets so annoyed. People are like, oh, you, like, really, har- like, Harley Quinn? She's like, I like that cover. Like, I don't give a fuck about what's inside the Yeah. Book. Like she doesn't. She like purely reads comics purely for the art, and I, it's it's fascinating to me because I don't know many people that do that. But like that the fact, like you have to be into the fandom to wear that shit. Ah, that's so stupid. Like I'm it's not a big so fan of Ralph Lauren. I wear his pants. It's just yeah, anything to do with showing your pride for something or just wearing something because you like. Just the whole thing is so gatekeepy to me. It's gatekeepy with fandom. It's gatekeepy with bands. It's gatekeepy even if you go to like like you said like high fashion brands. It's just the whole thing is just just wear what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. You know. I just picture okay. like the gatekeepy like guy from Simpsons, the the guy with the ponytail. Um, oh, the comic book shop the guy? The comic book shop guy, but he's dressed like Meryl Streep from <laughs> Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, like, some variation of the quote, like, florals in spring of revolutionary. Exactly. <laughs> beautiful image now i need that on a t-shirt i know i think i'm like that might draw that i have some artwork that we can plug right now um so let me get into the rigmarole so i can plug everything properly if you don't know welcome to the cave trolls podcast this is the best podcast if you want news from a few weeks ago about a very niche tabletop game And if you're in the know, welcome to your favorite D&D show. That's really not. It's kind of like your second favorite D&D show, but your first favorite D&D show only posts once a month. So you come here to kind of get something while you wait. Um, I am your faithful host, Terry Smith. With me, as always, I would say is normally Lissa, but she's gone. So just Sharday today, one half of the feminist fact checkers. I'm sorry you don't have your favorite person, but Sharday will do, right? Listen, I'm the best. I've said this multiple (laughs) times. I'm the best Host, you you definitely have said that multiple times. I've never <laughs> heard somebody else say it. Well, no, I've heard Lissa say that I'm your best host, the favorite host, and then as soon as she started saying that shit, I'm like, well, I gotta one up her. I want you and to know how much it hurts being another host on this network, and the argument <laughs> is only ever about you two. No one's ever you like, hey, I like that Terry guy. Terry. <laughs> Terry, assert yourself. Say, no, I'm the best host. Then you can get in on it. We here's can all fight. The, here's the thing. When you get really confident on like, like Discord and you're like, Terry, I fixed your writing. It's cute and it's powerful because women often aren't allowed to do that. I, however, am a straight white guy. So if I start getting right. really confident <laughs> in asserting <laughs> how awesome I am, I just am an asshole. Okay? Like, I want you to know that there is a little <laughs> bit of a difference when I do it. So I'm just going to keep going with the self-deprecation and okay. I'll go along with it when it's not self... What's... Just deprecation? Like, <laughs> you just, just when you two like shit that. on me. <laughs> so defecation. Not deprecation. Defecation. It's just it's easier for me to go along with it. But anyways, D&D news, bit light this week, and it's very, very late in the afternoon. I was going to have my wife guess because she hosted her first game, but 
since she's not here, this is going to be our GM tips, our general strategies, how to get into the game as a GM. But first, let's plug all of the other stuff. I mentioned that you get lots of bonus stuff, including our lore rewrites written by Shar herself. Me. Pause for applause. Okay. Good. Thank you. If you're driving, make sure you pull over before you clap. I don't want <laughs> to. But definitely clap. Like, don't not pull over. Like, Jesus, come on. Um, but our first uh, lore rewrite, by the time you're listening to this, the second one will probably be out. But it's going to be on Sune, the goddess of... A lot of stuff. Of yeah. Love, uh, like, beauty, it depends on passion. which uh, game you're playing, right? Yeah. In yeah. what is she in Greek mythology? that's Lissa's bag she's the one who did the research on that stuff I just looked into the forgotten (laughs) (laughs) she's based on basically basically any love deity that you can think of of Greek or Roman mythology she has a little bit of that sprinkled in there yes um she's awesome in the forgotten realms but you did a lore rewrite I did a little bit of artwork on there you made it look all Mm -hmm. fancy it's gonna be a good time you can put her in your game I'm also gonna draw a picture of a mirror because apparently that's involved with Sune's stuff. <laughs> I would tell you more about it, but that's not where we make the money. We make the money over on can'tbekilledcreations.com or patreon.com slash can'tbekilledcreations. If you go and subscribe at the $5 tier, you can get all of our lore rewrites, including the backlog that will one day be there as we put out more of them. Um, if you like those or any of the things you're hearing right now, our dulcet tones, you can head over there, give subscribe? patronize patronize don't patronize us please we get enough of that from people in our real life pledge is pledge the verb they use i think it's pledge if you pledge, pledge at the yeah. three dollar tier or above you get episodes of our slovenly feels crossover podcast where us and uh our two other friends on the network uh, <laughs> it's so weird yeah normally i just say ian chelsea but no but Liz is not here we talk Chelsea about all sorts Lisa. of shit. Like, if you like that beginning part where we talked about bullshit, basically, it's just that for an hour straight. It's wonderful. But you also Lovely. get bonus content from the Slovenly Trolls. You get early and bonus content from the Cave Trolls. Hear us. Um, you get right in the field stuff, whatever that means. It's usually just me talking about Tamagotchis. So if you like any of that stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash creations. That's all I have to plug for now. Let's get into it. Charday GM tips. Yeah. Go. Oh, wow. Really? Just like that. I didn't even write them down or anything. Um, everybody should GM once. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, uh, for my birthday, I asked my wife, I said, hey, I always run all of like our themed games. Like every once in a while I get to play. But if it's like, hey, we're going to play a Power Rangers game. Hey, we're going to play this game based on this movie, Star Wars, whatever. I run it because I'm the general fan nerd who also mm-hmm. GMs. So I, I get it done and make everybody happy. And I said, for my birthday, will somebody please do that for me? I want to play in like a Power Rangers game or a Digimon game, something that I love, but I want to play it instead of having to run it. And God mm-hmm. bless her. She was like, well, I'll do it. So she learned two systems because, uh, we played a Digimon game. If you don't know Digimon, little kids, they get like partner little monsters, you know, like Pokemon, Digimon, that kind of thing. And they transform into bigger monsters. And she ran it in two systems. The kids that we were playing was was running in Tales from the Loop. 
um, slash things from the flood d6 system you roll if you get a six it's a success and that was the kids but the monsters as they evolved and transformed gotten bigger was running 5e so they were reskinned classes so she had to learn two systems to run uh, a game and i always run these like huge long like 12 14 hour games when we do one shots and so that's what she did we played from 10 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and i don't know how she did it the first time i ran um, it was like four and a half hours. It was terrible. I didn't know all the rules. I made people roll the block. Um, I didn't know what that was her. Wait, that was for. her very, very, very first time ever doing it. Ever doing it. Holy shit! I need to make her a medal. That should be too. Trust me. That is uh, insane. I still haven't run a session that long yet. I have a friend who did like very early on in a campaign. In the first campaign I played with her, we're now in our second campaign. It's one of it's the one I share with Lissa that we're both players in. Okay. And like our God, I want to say it was before session 10, so it was still really early on in the game. The um one of the players was leaving cuz she was graduating. We're like we need to do like a 12-hour session just cuz we'd never done it and the it was the DM's idea and we did it. And then like a couple weeks later uh, on the eve of that person's graduation, like they just graduated, we did a 24 hour session. Hell like, yeah. It was amazing. We were so tired, but it was so cool. And it was so early on in the campaign, too, that I was like, wow, I could not have done that that early on in my campaign ever. And I still haven't done it. It terrifies me. And I think it's something that you have to do in person because I oh, don't think I yeah. could do it online. I, I've run Ever. a couple of like really long ones online. They just didn't go as well. Like they're still totally doable. Yeah. Honestly, it's easier to do online. You have so many more resources. It is. I can yeah. get up and pee, and no one even knows I'm peeing. As long as I pee quietly enough, I can still <laughs> describe the monster <laughs> while peeing. I can't do just, that when we're in person. Everyone knows I'm peeing. Well, the thing is, I always play with video on, so I can't do that. Oh, we like, never played with video on. Really, no I have to. Us. I have to play with video on. I always feel so awkward playing games where the video isn't on i don't know why i just like seeing people's faces and like seeing because usually you could see when people like want to speak they have like a certain like facial expression or if they're thinking or you know you see how engaged they are or not engaged i mean it's just like seeing them in person yeah, well, I, I mean, it's, it's super, so it's helpful for sure, but we don't do that here. You know what you sound like? You sound like every corporate boss is just trying to get everybody back into the office because you don't know how to how <laughs> dare you? Their time. You don't, you don't know how, how to micromanage. Uh, I'm not micromanaging. Sure People can turn off like their it. cameras if they want to. I just like, <laughs> it's just easier for me. <laughs> it's about me. I'm the master. I am the dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> oh man like, you're not wrong like it definitely is easier but we just we never did that when we played online everyone already felt awkward enough uh a lot of our games <laughs> were like when we played online it was split between um purely text-based and then sometimes mm. get together because like people were online um it, it was the best we could do in a pandemic you know like how do we mm-hmm. still keep this going um but yeah like i i, I now run like at least uh, twice a quarter. I would say I run like a long, like 12, 14 hour session with some of my closer friends. Uh, my buddy Dave and my buddy John, we've kind of been playing this way on and off different games for, I don't know, almost seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's really cool. I couldn't do it with like a new group. Like you said, like you were like super early in that campaign. Yeah. Like, 
even like cod pieces which is the game that you play in ours i'm not going to explain the name um <laughs> that's the game that you you play at my table and mm-hmm. that's a group now i think i could totally run like a 14 hour session i think you guys would be fucking tired of me but i i think i could do it no um, i think it'd be i think it'd be a great experiment yeah i think we'd have fun <laughs> Um, I think but, we would have a lot of fun. But now we've been playing, though, right? Like, we've been playing yeah. for Early on, I don't, we were still figuring out, like, I knew everybody, kind of. I knew you and Emily the most. And yeah. I knew Chelsea a little bit. And I knew John basically not at all. Yeah, you guys, like, and met basically for the first time, like, at my house. I met him at parties, like, yeah. in passing. But then this campaign, like, we became actual friends. And now I text him TikToks, like, on a daily basis. Can I just say, like, how happy I am, like, that you two talk? (laughs) Because you two are so alike. You have so many things in common. Like, you're my theater kid friends. That's Um, true. Oh, my God. I literally just texted him the other day. I was watching the um, HBO Spring Awakening documentary, which is a musical that I love. Is it good? It's so good. And I love the musical Spring Awakening. And I texted John. I'm like, John, you're the only one who's going to understand that I'm watching this and I'm crying. (laughs) 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 Completely understood. (laughs) Even though he'd never seen Spring Awakening. And then I yelled at him because he'd never seen or listened to all Spring Awakening. Very that's rude. such a high school drama play <laughs> so you're like, dude, like, like i can't it's picture dark it on, like, as hell though, like but it's dark as hell but it's so good anyway well, <laughs> real, real quick aside will i understand the documentary yeah. having only seen it once drunk as a public uh play yeah okay. i think so yeah it's more about you know the you know how it was made the behind the scenes the meaning behind a lot of the songs people's connections to it it's very documentary style and that you don't really need to know much about it before you go into it cool I, I, I was 16 and was super fucked up and i saw it and i was like okay um and then you <laughs> said spring awakening it was the first time i had heard it in like 20 years um because it's I'm, so I'm good 90. Uh, do that i saw it in high school i think i think like late high school i saw it or early college i can't remember yeah our drama class saw that and we saw um sweeney todd i still remember sweeney todd johnny depp was there um <laughs> the movie the film i don't know i was drunk when i saw that too so i, I was definitely a, a movie and, and not a theater musical <laughs> I, I don't think that that, and, doesn't, that doesn't sound right, that doesn't sound right. Uh, i mean if you were pretty fucked up then you probably wouldn't know the difference honestly to be honest. I mean, th- honestly if i was sober i probably wouldn't know the difference anyways <laughs> um yeah so running that long is not what i would recommend but i was really proud of her no. I felt bad because she was, like, trying to channel, like, the stuff that I do. And not that she couldn't do it. I don't do anything that anybody else can do. I'm not good at things. But I do do stupid things that take a lot Mm -hmm. of concentration and a lot of work for no uh, reason or thanks Mm. uh, for the most part. And she was, like, she did all of this crazy work. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Honestly, you could have been, like, there's a dragon and you punch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what you really, that's all you need to be a GM, right? Is you say there's a thing, how do you want to kill it? And they go, with this? And you go, okay, roll. End of job. Uh, yeah, at a very base level. And I think that's another really good tip, though, is to just emulate what you know until you find your own voice. Right, right. You know, like Unless borrow, you play borrow. With dumb <laughs> no, even if you play with dumb people, like if you like something that another GM did, steal it. 
That's fair. Just that's steal fair. It. If you like the thing they're doing, yes, definitely. If you like the if you don't like the thing you're they're doing, add it to your mental or physical list that says these are things I'm not going to do. And I've I've done that. Like show I'm like, okay, your, I won't catch this. Show me your this, list this, right this, now. This. I want to see the list. That's just oh no, it's down. a mental list. I haven't written it down. Written it down yet. But it's a mental list. <laughs> I do have a lot of lists for a lot of things, but what else this is, is OneNote for? But lists. I have so many OneNote pages that are just. Oh, lists. I use, I use Notepad on my computer because I'm old. Because you're a thousand. You and George R. R. Martin use the same word processor. I do, but I I know I think it's a really good tip to just because I started GMing both because of both reasons. Of I saw I was in a game where. A GM was doing a lot of things that I didn't like. And then I was also watching Critical Role at the time. So I really liked some of the stuff that Matt Mercer was doing. Not all of it, but I was inspired by a lot of stuff that he was doing. And I was kind of not so inspired by the stuff my current GM was doing. Not because he wasn't just like Matt Mercer. And it was the Matt Mercer effect. Blah, blah, blah. No, nothing <laughs> like that. It was just, it wasn't my style. And I, I realized that. I'm like, okay, I'm more of a narrative improvisational collaborative person i'm not a i'm gonna play list like skyrim person which is how the other game was and that's okay like everybody plays the game differently and so take what you like from one gm take what you don't like from another and then do the things that you really like as a player find things that make things easier for you as a dm because you always want it to feel easy after a while like it's going to be a bit hard and it's going to be a bit of a learning curve but eventually it'll be a lot easier and find the things that make it easy and that make it fun so that when you do have challenges and it does get quote harder it's okay because you know you can do it and you have that confidence and you know insert inspirational speech here anybody could do it you just believe in yourself anybody can cook right ratatouille style anybody can cook you yeah. can totally you do can it. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. Exactly. <laughs> you can take it totally. Like, you got a d20, you can be a GM. Like, that's that's kind of how it <laughs> And there's lots of systems that you don't need a d20 for. And that's what I was going to say is, like, whatever system you do, don't try to come off the gate as Matt Mercer, right? Or insert your favorite DM here. You don't have to create mm-hmm. your own world. Like, the book has adventures in it for a reason. Like, and don't feel mm-hmm. like the adventure's less than. Sure, some of them are more fun than others. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe making a world, it could be a good goal. But all of my friends, and I, I mean all of them, all of them always started out when they're like, I'm going to GM, I'm going to make a whole world map just like what you did and our other friend did and so-and-so did. Um, and I'm like, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> like, it's not going to be worth it. It's not going to be <laughs> as good because you don't know how to run the game. You're going to be juggling 50 things at once. Just mm-hmm. run the fucking Minds of yeah. Fandelver or whatever um, adventure they have on the the shelf for a level one party or whatever and walk Mm -hmm. through it acquaint yourself with that map run that don't bury yourself in 15 pages of lore and then inevitably go i don't think i like dnd i want to play call of cthulhu or whatever system that you want to try yeah like like, i just feel bad when people feel like that's that's what dnd is like it has to be that you know no it definitely doesn't and i this just happened like a couple weeks ago i was hanging out at a friend's house and just randomly we were thinking of something to do and she was just like hey you want me to run a one shot for like you and you know her husband who was also there and he had a friend coming over and i'm just like just like right now do you need time for to prep and she's just like oh i'll just read this chapter in this book that i have and then we'll just run this and i'm like you can what <laughs> like i never seen somebody do that before 
And she did it. She just read over the stuff. We all made our care. I took like an hour and a half making my character sheet because I'm me and I put too much thought into everything. <laughs> the other two just rolled random characters on um, D&D Beyond, but I had to put thought into mine because I'm stupid. And um, she, we ran this adventure for like three hours. We didn't finish it because one of the players fell asleep because he was exhausted, which is valid. <laughs> Um, but it was still really fun. We were just running it and she was just running it right out of the book and it was a good time. We all had fun and, and, and there was and basically I, no prep. Exactly. And you can totally do that and still have a good time. And that goes for the players too, right? Like you don't have to make a 15 page backstory, but yeah. there's a reason why they have like quick start guides and you know, they have sets that come with pre-made characters and there's a million character generators online. And I get that probably lead us to our next session. Like, do whatever is easiest and that includes like not doing some things like just skipping mm -hmm. steps like it's okay don't use every rule don't you don't have to know every single mm -hmm. fucking spell be acquainted with the mm -hmm. shit that you're gonna do um let's get into the individual tips like that's like general gm guide right like you know jump in yeah. don't be afraid run something that's pre-made um what are your like more specific tips um from a mechanical standpoint because i know people say anybody can dm because i said that and i genuinely believe that you did just say um, that i have it i did just say that like but there is a caveat that. to that because <laughs> that's just i just assume people who i'm giving the advice to have played DD &D before so i feel like i when you get when you get further into it, you're like you should have at least played DD &D once which i think is just you know you should know the game that you're about to play or you should at least familiarize yourself enough with it. And I think for D&D, &D, that's just knowing when to make the players roll. Like, know when they need to roll initiative. Know when they need to make certain checks. If you forget to have them make certain checks, that's okay. But just, you know, know when to make the players roll is very simple. Yeah, knowing when not to, right? Like, what's the, the quote about jazz? Like, it's really more about the space in between notes. Yeah, yeah. If, yep. you're care if you think that a character could very easily do that, just, like, they don't have to roll for it. If they could just try not rolling for it, that's cool, too. But I'm also a rule of cool GM, and I know not a lot of – that. that's not, like, every GM, you know? Yeah, it's not. And my general rule – general rule – um, is not necessarily that, like, if it's cool, you can try to do it, which I do do that. That is one of my rules. But when it yeah. comes to not rolling, not even just that – that player could definitely do it. It's that, is it interesting if they're going to fail? You know, like if mm. something cool is going to happen because of the dice roll, then roll the dice. I've had people do stuff that even their character couldn't generally do, but I'd say it's cool in the moment. So you just do that thing because the outcome of it not happening isn't interesting at all. Like if they yeah. rolled a one on that dice and they trip and they die or whatever you have happen. Yeah. Sometimes that can be interesting, but sometimes if they fail, it's just not interesting at all. So I just say it happens. You know, there's enough momentum, story armor, plot devices happening, Deus Ex Machina, that the thing can just happen. You don't have to roll for it. Because while if they roll and they get a 20, it's fucking awesome. If they roll and they get a four, so they don't pass the skill yeah. check, it's not a critical fail and it's a critical moment. It's just like, well, that, okay, you know, like that can really take the mm -hmm. wind out of everyone's sails. So knowing when to have them roll and what you do instead of the roll is probably mm -hmm. the biggest thing that you can do as a GM for any system, whatever it is, even diceless ones. And um, it, I think it gives the players a certain level of autonomy. And then sometimes when they roll, 
it can go either way because when they roll bad, it kind of feels as a player that sometimes your autonomy is being taken away because the dice are just not rolling well for you that day. And I've been on the end of that as a player. I've been on the end of that as a GM. Some days you just roll like shit and nothing good happens at, if you ever roll. And then that can weigh on you a bit, you know? So like, see if you see your player struggling with that, just tune into that as a GM and figure out a way with the player or at the table or in the moment, what have you, to still lift their spirits and make sure they have fun and give them their autonomy back for a little bit, you know, because it's their character. Yeah, because there's nothing lamer than it's like, okay, we're, we're finally in that big fight and everyone's just rolling bricks. You can yeah. make that cool, and but I think that that takes some skill as a GM. Like a more experienced GM can make any rule cool. But there's a certain point where, like, ah, everyone's rolling horribly. Like, don't be afraid to, to change up the system. And that leads me to my next thing, which is don't mm. be afraid to just try shit, even if it's not in the rules. Like, there's been plenty yeah. of games where we kind of throw some rules out the window because what we're doing in the moment is cooler or more fun, and we just roll with that for a little bit. That doesn't mean that's every session that we're going to do it. I notoriously change how we do um, initiative, like, in every game to every session because – Sometimes the straight up D and D rules, whoever rolls higher plus dexterity, that's the person who goes first. Sometimes yeah. that makes sense. A lot of times it doesn't make sense at all. If you're there and you're on the surprise, sure. There's rules for surprise rounds or whatever. Fuck it. The team goes first or the orc attacks. And then I pick, okay. Sharday's spellcaster gets to go because she has a cool thing that I want to happen in turn two. <laughs> so I let her go. Cause it's just more interesting. Or sometimes I make the mm -hmm. party pick the order. Like, don't be afraid to throw out the general rules because you have mm -hmm. a cooler idea and it's more fun in the moment. Like you said, it's, rules it's almost cool, like right? that creative um, quote unquote, like you need to know the rules to break them. Like if you right. know the rules, you know what's going to work well in the moment. Also know when not to use the rules and yes. to be like, this is going to be more fun. And we're not making that up. It's in the fucking DM guide. It's been in every it is also DM's That's guide. also a rule. Yeah, it's been yeah. in the rules since AD&D. Gary Gygax wrote that. Was it in the first the edition too, or was it AD? Yes, it was. So there you, go, there you go. It goes back to the fucking beginning. Like, just fucking it just try. It was beginning. So I think that that goes into one of my rules because I wrote down some as you were talking because I felt bad not having anything written down. No, but you're that fine, goes into dude. mine. Yeah. One of the rules is just fun. F U N Word. capital. Cue the SpongeBob just song. Just make sure here. everybody's having fun. F is for friends who do. Yeah, I could go into the whole song. I won't, but. <laughs> we'll pause. Um, go ahead. <laughs> well, we could coffee this is this isn't a patreon podcast <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe i don't know uh paramount might come after us i think they are the ones who own spongebob so <sighs> no thanks uh <laughs> i'll just go into what i meant with fun all caps it's just it is what it says on the tin just as everybody should be having fun the dm should be having fun and the player should be having fun you know, like at the table, this is a game. Yes. And there are, and the way I play D&D &D and the way most games I've played in D&D, &D, they have very intense moments where sometimes something not so fun happens. And then you have to deal with that and process that in game or even out of game. Sometimes you have to take a hot pause in game, be like, hey, let's take a breather, take a bathroom break, whatever, come back and let's figure out how to do this. And still make it entertaining in those more challenging moments. That takes a little bit of practice. Sometimes you don't know how to balance that, and that's okay. It's just having an understanding on, at least how I play D&D, just storytelling. Like engaging, like you're still having, you're still engaged 
and you're still having fun reading a book even if your favorite character dies you want to know if they come back you want to know if harry potter comes back that's one of my tools i use um like when Mm -hmm. serious uh moments happen or sad moments or just straight up bad moments happen is i i try to remind my players but like how cool is that as a story moment like we had a really good one your character died at the table and you had that moment of like fuck that really sucks right like you're like don't let it happen oh absolutely i'm like let's fix (laughs) this shit please like somebody rewind time help me and we like in the moment we were just like had to remind you i'm like but it was a cool fucking death like it was a cool thing that we'll all remember forever because it was awesome and you're mm-hmm. like, yep. And but you're gonna bring me back to fucking life somehow, right? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, like, yep. <laughs> we're gonna make this uh, happen. But this is permanent, right? <laughs> and and that still took us a minute, even though like I've been been GMing for a, a decade, and you've been playing and GMing for a decade. Like it still was like, oh shit! Like it was still a somber yeah. moment that we had to be reminded. Like it's still a game, and it was awesome when you take it out of mm-hmm. it. But when you're role playing, it's a lot like acting. A lot of times, like if you get really 100%. into character, or if you're a really nerdy theater kid like Charday, you can feel those <laughs> emotions more than what you what you. A hundred. I am the best and the worst. Like I will if I at the moment I become invested in a character which sometimes doesn't happen for a while like I'll be playing a character for a couple months and still like see them as just this separate entity I'm like oh, okay yeah 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 but something it could be something random like a death or something happens in game and I just become emotionally invested like forget about it like I'll cry about them I'll laugh about them I become full theater kid with it I love it though and I love it at my table because it makes me feel better because you've seen tons of moments like where I get earnest and I'm like crying yeah. in character and I gotta take a minute I do to, like, come out of it, it warms I, my heart it makes me feel so much better because I know you do the yeah. same thing so I can feel comfortable like going this character's sad even if you don't know you've never met this character you don't give a fuck about them I am being this character they're sad right now so I'm gonna cry yeah. and it reminds me a little bit of that uh, meme from Community where Jeff has a pencil and he's like people are week because oh, it's yes. easily malleable because i can say this pencil's name is steve and then he breaks it and everyone goes breaks oh. the <laughs> and i i love that so much because and it's so true like i i it always is. think about all the npcs that you adopt and if i kill them you're sad and we just, sad. like it's okay to be sad though like you don't have to be like oh i'm so lame like i cried when bert the knight like got stabbed or whatever it's like yeah because <laughs> Like, you care about Birth the Night. That's okay. okay. This means something. That means we're doing... It also just means you're doing a good job as a player and as a DM. Yes. That's another big thing that's on my list, too, is just being collaborative and being open to collaboration is huge as a DM. Huge. Because it's really easy, especially... I'm coming from... I started DMing when I was, like, knee... No, I was... No, I was, yeah, knee deep in my... Uh, master's my first master's thesis like I was just starting to think about it I was just starting to plan on it I'd almost finished my first year as a master's student so and on my master's degree I was writing a fantasy novel and you know really into when you're an author you have full control of everything all the time always and then when you're a GM it took me about two sessions to realize oh this isn't my story (laughs) this isn't mine it's, it's my ours. world. Yeah. It's my NPCs. It's my plot. But this is not my story. This is our story. And some GMs that I played with in the past don't understand that. They do the railroading thing. And sometimes that works for certain players. Sometimes players want to be railroaded. Be like, 
DM, tell me what to do. I've had players um, tell me that I give too much leeway. They're like, no, I want to hear what you want to do. I'm like, then read my book, man. Like, go pick up, <laughs> go pick up my comic book. It's five bucks. You, you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm here because we're supposed to play. Like, if you just want me to tell you a story, I'll tell you a story. It's way less work. Yeah. Like, We're here to tell a story game. together. Exactly. I'm just, I'm just the rules person. I'm the one who gives the vibes. I'm the one who invents the. Well, right now I'm doing my first true homebrew campaign. Oh hell like, yeah! Like last time I play, I did it. I did Matt Mercer's world. It was his playground. I homebrewed the whole plot, but I didn't homebrew the world. This time around, I have more time on my hands. I'm just like, you know what? I love world building. I'm going to make my own world, and so that's what I'm doing. And so from the ground up this is my world sure my politics my npcs whatever it's not my story your economic never gonna be um, uh, you can break my world right like you're gonna have some really intricate systems that i can talk about classism (laughs) and and stuff like that yeah right okay just making sure yeah Uh, yeah 100 percent. i need at least six or seven currencies so i can completely (laughs) set up my fiat system I, I wrote my whole dissertation on world building, so I got to stretch there those muscles, and I'm aware my players are going to break it, and I'll cry about it. And they're not going to give a shit about some things, right? Like, there's going to be an entire it's culture. So, it's so weird, because I was convinced they wouldn't give a shit, and then I'm still working on parts of my world. We're hopefully starting at the beginning of June of my new campaign. And one of the players, when they were sending me the, because I just got all their backstories in, we did all of their uh, character sheets. We did a session zero a couple weeks ago, just so everybody could get a vibe and they could finish that stuff up while I finished up planning. Um, They, like, I had two players simultaneously text me saying like, hey, what's the date when we're starting? I'm like, you want to know the calendar date? You never asked that question. It was somebody else's world. And now you're asking me? And I hadn't built the calendar yet. So I'm like, I thought I could skip building a calendar for a couple months, but I was in, I was incorrect. They asked that question and they cared. I know the date in every game I run because someone did that to me one time. They're like, well, I I, learned my lesson. You got this history book and it took place here. Where is that in reference to now? And I was like, well, fuck, I don't know. Oh, fuck. So, like, I sat down and had to come up with that. Now every game. And then, but because they did that, like, now it's always a yeah. really cool thing that I, you know, you spend a little extra time on, but it's not the you worst do. thing. But, I, like, you yeah, know, no, it comes I'll in like, handy. You can do some cool puzzles with that, too, right? I'm putting up a fuss, and my voice got louder, and I'm being dramatic, but that's just who I am as a person. But just, you know, like, it's it's good, because I know my players are interested now. It gave me a whole new way to flush out the world and now i have a whole spreadsheet on the months Mm -hmm. i have moon phases i'm coming up with holidays and i did i stole your thing where you told us to like make a landmark and i told each of my players to make a holiday oh that's so cool i love that yeah what what i loved when you asked us to do that like come up with a landmark i'm like i that and i'm building my own world can i tell you why i do that though it's totally it's lazy (laughs) i mean every time i ask you guys to come up with it of course because i'm lazy but it's because (laughs) when it comes to like when i draw that map i know just as the puppet master i am when it comes to my games because i really i want to orchestrate some cool moments and i want you to Mm -hmm. because you i want you guys to surprise me too but i know if you made that that uh that landmark even if your character doesn't give a fuck about that landmark but you made it so I know yeah. when I do something with that landmark, even if I don't, but mm-hmm. I know if I do that, it'll make you sad, happy, whatever, because that's yeah. you, you, you made that. I didn't make that. 
Yep. So like I can if I need to if I need to make John cry real quick, I'm like, well, lightning struck the clock tower. Oh no. It looks like it's going to burn down. <laughs> My clock tower. Why'd you do that? <laughs> and, and like again, it's the pencil, right? It's so cheap, yeah. but it's so powerful. And that's why, you know, that's why you name every NPC. You don't say that's a guy over there. You're like, well, that's Jeff. And you go, oh, fuck. I'd be real sad if Jeff oh, got shit. shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And it's, I, I also, I did that same thing with Lissa. She asked me when I asked her to make a holiday it was just like, well, what are my boundaries? And I said, okay, well, I've already made holidays for this, this, and this. But really, it's whatever you want. And then she asked me for all the – because drow are a huge part of my world. Okay. So she asked me, oh, well, what, what's your drow society like? And I just gave her like a mini essay of all of this. And she's now helping me come up with a drow holiday for the upper class. Oh, I love And it. she's like, I get – and she's like, can I like – you know, what about the traditions? Can I, like, make it anywhere in the city? Or do you have that all planned? I'm like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and I will build around you. <laughs> it's it's it hard it sometimes. so much easier. <laughs> when you give them too much uh, of reins. And that's why I'll say, like, learn who you can and cannot give that much rope to. Not because some players will do a bad thing with it. Maybe they will, I guess. But that's not my point. <laughs> is that I have a couple of players that have the super, like, uh, uh, decision paralysis. And they hate giving too much of an open-ended thing. So um, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I have my buddy who's like, I don't want that. I kind of want to be told a story. I like being plain. So like I had to find like a really like, like fine line. I had to write it. And so what I do, if I give somebody like huge, like leeway, if I say, go make your holiday, I go to him and I go, Hey, I need you to make a Christmas like holiday. It's around winter. This is the month that's happening. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. it, please try to involve some sort of gift giving. And then he'll go in there because not everybody nice. likes, like yeah. not everyone's the writer, right? Like we, exactly. if someone gives yeah. us that, when I say, Hey, Shar, I need X, you go, fuck. All right. I'm going to give you X, Y, Z. And I'm going to go X, back y, around Z, to A. I'll give you, I'll give you a calendar. I'll give you a PowerPoint. <laughs> and you're one of the few I got to be like, Hey man, like, what'd you do? You're like, well, I didn't like what you did for B actually. So I went and changed that. And I go, okay, that is better, but fuck you. And, and then you'll go, but let me tell you about C. And I go, if you touch C, I'll stab you. <laughs> so really with me it's just like you need to give me here's a hard line you cannot cross and then just draw it in like black ink across my face but that's a better general piece of advice that we can give too right is talk to your players and find out what they want and find that middle ground yes. because the players will tell you if they've at least if they've played before they, they know what they find fun like i got a couple players that at our table that prefer combat right so like our buddy mm-hmm. john john likes combat more than anybody else in the group so i like to at least give a few moments for john even if everyone else isn't involved something for him to hit like, just give him some combat because he can flex his muscles because John knows literally every rule in the game. So, yeah. like, and the, the best place to flex that in D&D is combat. So I give him some sort of spell combat where he's got to, like, learn what cover is and who has advantage and what spell slots are left open on the field. Like, he has to know all that, and that's where he can really shine. And I, I know I don't have to involve Sharday in that. Like, she can be there. She'll, she knows <laughs> she knows all the rules, too, but she doesn't love combat as much. So if I say, well, Shar, you're actually somewhere else right now, she goes, oh, fucking great. I don't have to pull out my character sheet. <laughs> I'm usually pretty okay. I'm a huge RP person, so I'll RP all day, every day. I do like combat a lot, but it's, it's not my 
favorite thing. I like a nice, healthy mix. Yeah, and the thing is, though, like, I know if I say you're in combat, you still know the rules. So it's not like you're like, well, fuck, I hate combat. You're like, okay. Like, you can totally do it. You're very skilled. You know more of the rules than I do, And which is, that's the other thing. If I could say, put two other GMs at your table in your party (laughs) if you can. So when you get something wrong or don't know it, you can go, hey, what's this rule? And my favorite is when Sade goes, look down, you have a GM screen in front of you. (laughs) I only know that because I... Yeah, like, I have the traditional GM screen in front of me. I don't have any add-ons or anything to it, and it's super helpful. And some people are like, oh, the GM screen on the inside is real dumb. Here's an actual printout with stuff that's useful. I'm like, I find the regular GM screen just fine helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, I like the the normal one. I I have that one, and then I add all of my bespoke stuff to it, like all of my crit tables and, like... uh, like uh, the critical hits one, the Hawks critical hits mm-hmm. is another one I use. I use a lot of tables for other shit, and then I have my binder, right? One note is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. But get a GM screen. Like, no matter what game you're playing, buy the screen. They're almost mm-hmm. always helpful. A lot of games nowadays, because the books are rushed sometimes, like Power Rangers is a great example of this, the rules are not laid out well inside of the book. But the GM screen, they're all right in front of you in a way they're not in the book. So like if the, you're going to play... rules that you're going to reference the most. Yes. Yeah, and because, like, some of the ones that you have on GM screens I've seen are the rules that you really need because someone mm-hmm. who's run the game has gone, hey... We should put this front and center on the GM screen. But in the book, it's in chapter two and in chapter 15. Yeah. Like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. So like, all the GM things screen. on the GM screen are just, they're everywhere. So some are at the beginning of the book, some are in the middle, and some are at the end. But at the GM screen, it's just, it's all there in front of you. And if you don't like something that's there, you can customize one yourself very easily. But just, like, having that um, separation between you're the GM and the players is, I... Kind of, it kind of psychologically helps sometimes or just subconsciously helps. Like the GM is the person who says yes, no, and they're the rules person. They are the be all end all. But one of the other things I have written down is the GM is not the villain. <laughs> Don't be the villain. Like the GM does hold your life in their hands. And I joke all the time about how I'm God and this is my turf and I can have a lightning bolt strike you down right here. Most, I'm all talk. I'm probably not going to do that unless you really piss me off. But establishing, yeah, you need to establish kind of assertiveness. Like, no, I have the final rule. I have the final say. But you're not the villain. Like, don't, I don't know any GM that I've ever played with, thank God, that's out to kill players. But I have seen takes online where GMs genuinely, like, get, like, really excited about killing their players. Yeah, if apparently the players there's a lot are, of them, but I've, I don't play those games. I've never played those games. And if players are cool with that, like, they like having that adversarial relationship with their GM, go for it. But it's not how I like to play, and it's not how most of the people I've ever talked to about D&D like to play. Because, you know, the GM can be kind of a very foreboding figure as just an amalgamation of the GM. Not your GM, the GM. Yeah. So it's like you're constantly fighting this BBEG, and that just sounds fucking exhausting. Like... I like to think of the GM as just a parent. (laughs) (laughs) You're the referee, right? Like, I mean, you're the authority figure, but also your children rebel. 
uh, but you all still love each other at the end of the day and you <laughs> challenge each other and it's fine. Everybody's fine. <laughs> to go full Judeo-Christian, like you're not just the Old Testament God, you're the New Testament Jesus too, right? Like you got to give them fish <laughs> as well as smite them. I always say like, I, yes, I am all of the antagonists. I'm also all of the shopkeepers. I'm also exactly. that NPC yeah. who joined the party, which is my hack that I'm going to say it right here is insert a character don't make it be your pc that's in the party that's a bad idea and that can go bad mm-hmm. real quick but pick an npc that your that your party likes and let mm-hmm. them roll with them have have somebody that they like it could be like a oh pet gosh, or it could yes. be like a friend but then you have somebody yeah. who can drop exposition you can have somebody that they can soundboard you can be the voice of reason go hey guys maybe let's pull on that torch that the gm said might do something you know like i've seen <laughs> so many takes online that say dm PCs are bad and I'm like no they're not they're amazing I love DM PCs like I love them like I had it I didn't even know that was a term until my first campaign when my players started adopting NPCs and just taking them around and I didn't know you could do that I'm just like yeah sure you can do this and then finally they adopted one and then one of them romanced that one so they could never leave now they're just there because they're literally attached so um they just became part of the party and i kind of loved that and i talked to a player about it out of game not the player who was romancing the person but the other player because they all just became really good friends in game um and they were just like i really started not fearing you as much as a gm when you put niall in the party which was the pcs or npcs name like when you were Nile, you were Nile. You weren't Charday, the GM. You were that person, and I felt like I had a DM presence there, but it wasn't overwhelming, and you could be our friend, kind of. And we didn't know each other very well at the time, so it was really like me and the player didn't know each other very well at the time. So it was really like nice to be like, oh, I like a little like DM NPC <laughs> can kind of just bridge that gap if you need it between like the DM authority and the PC. And I, I think I never the, thought of before. Right. And I think the problem, like what you're saying that you see all online, the discourse around a GM PC is the PC part, right? Like you make a character and that's your character and you're in there. That can be a problem sometimes if you're not really good at separation. If you're a good GM, oh, you can make anything work. Okay. But it's like that insert character and like now the hero moment goes to the GM PC and oh, mm. the, the, the prince is wooed by the GM PC and oh, who's going to hold the bag of holding the GM PC? You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that's I where the horror stories come from. I think, not to toot our own horns, I think we're better GMs than that, so we wouldn't have as big an <laughs> issue. But I think the general way that I look at it and that's helped me is it's an NPC that I control but is there as like an assisting fifth party um, yeah. within the group. Because, like, like for instance, I'll just use ours, Bert the Knight. Yeah. Um, I play Bert. Bert is a built PC full on through. He's part fighter uh part ranger and uh like he's just a normal character if we were to roll him up he's a level six uh seven Mm -hmm. what level are we i don't know um, I'm a level behind because I'm a ghost. Exactly, <laughs> you are. A ghost. You're, dead. You're a ghost. I'm a ghost. Um, but uh, like I, I play him as if there was a person there, but I don't give him all the hero moments. He's not my character. No. He's an NPC that the party really liked, so I had to roll additional stats for him. Right. Um, and I and but I use him like that. I, I go, okay, so if someone needs to drop the word of wisdom, I can have Bert do it. 
Um, he's <laughs> great for levity because I don't mind if he gets made fun of because he's not my character, you know? So <laughs> as long as you have a little bit of a distance, while I love Bert and I love all of my creations, except for the Nazis in my world, I also hate them. Um... <laughs> I don't, there's not many Nazis in Forgotten Realms, but there are some. Like, if you go to the cities, there's some really racist people. Like, they don't like Tifling, shit like that. And those people just get struck by lightning in my world. It's weird. Yeah, uh, it's so weird. It's, it's so that. weird how that happens. I don't know. Yeah, um, I was wondering where all those random thunderstorms are coming from. Exactly. Yeah. You know that puddle on the side of that highway? That's where the Nazi was, where everyone just Whoa. spits as they go by, actually. That's just saliva. Behind there. the scenes back. Exactly. It's really gross, but really cool when you think about it. Um, really cool. Anyway, Anyways. <laughs> um yeah so like having the the separation of pc versus npc i think is it's really arbitrary it it, just don't give yourself the hero moments if you're the gm uh at least not Mm -hmm. all the time it's okay to set up an npc to do a cool thing because that can be rewarding if the party really likes them like again bert has some hero moments because the party wants to see bert succeed because they love yeah we literally buffed him for an entire fight (laughs) because we're like go bert go (laughs) <laughs> that was, that's one of my more Kill fun him. moments is like you went into this du- they went into this dungeon and they're all immortal elves right in the tolkien immortal like they can still die if they get stabbed but they don't die from old age kind of thing bert mm-hmm. is a human from ancient ireland basically and so he can die but he can also get buffs that they can't because only mortals can get eat these souls and power up so they made him look like the hulk basically and go murder things so he did get his hero moment but the players chose that i didn't go i want bert to have his moment the players were like we want bert to have this moment because we love bert bert is baby and so i just Mm -hmm. facilitate facilitated that so just as long as you don't amp yourself up too much because maybe that's just me being like i don't want the the spotlight because i'm the gm i look at it as i'm I'm making fun for the party i have fun doing that that's what's fun for me i don't think everyone will play that way right like i i I, but i don't know how to give advice for the other guy because i don't do that exactly i feel like we should have probably put a disclaimer like here's our play style and these are our dm right for this play style but i think maybe by this point people will know what our play style is very narrative based very loosey-goosey with like rule of cool but also like we try to stick with certain rules kind of and just have fun full stop yeah, so let's get into like the more technical tips. So, like that's like a lot of our general stuff, a lot of our storytelling ideas mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to like, like how to do cool things at your table. Um, but like, let's get into like the nitty gritty stuff. So we mentioned the GM screen. What rules do you think it's important D and D specifically that you're like, hey, you might want to know this one because it's helpful. Just an overarching rule in D and D. Do you want me to go first uh, while you think about it? Yeah, go it? first. Yeah, I mean, I meant to marinate on that one for a second. Yeah. So there are two for me. Uh, one, make sure everyone knows their sheets. I don't think as a GM you have to know everyone's sheets. I think that's unfair to the GM. The players should know what they're doing. But if, especially if you have new players or if you're new as a whole – build them together so everyone kind of knows what everyone's doing but then when it comes to initiative know what to roll for the thing that you're going to do most and that's getting to fights you're playing D. it happens a lot and 
it's okay if you don't want to do the initiative from the rule book if you want to come up with your own i love that but initiative is the thing that i found most with players players can figure out how to roll to attack it's just the d20 they know and they'll add something to it you can help with damage later but they know what to roll for their fucking sword they don't know what to roll when it comes to jumping in i i, I don't know what it is about initiative but it's confusing to a lot of new players so mine is just learn who fucking goes first even if that means you just point and you say the orc attacks first or whatever just know who's going in combat write it down have an order i recommend getting like a dice tower or something with a magnetic outside put name tags on it like you would get at like a store like if you were working mm-hmm. at a shop like and you can get dry erase ones and put the initiative order so if the orc gets taken out you can take the orc off and you can put the half elf in like make something that's modular because initiative is really really hard to keep track of in a long combat and sometimes even though 5e is very fast combat it can get confusing real quick when you have 25 skeletons you know so know who's going to attack i think just combat in general (laughs) 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 like it's still something as a gm that i like I'm learning to like it more, but I hated it for a really long time. My players really loved it, so I kept it in because, you know, you want everybody to have fun. So I need, I'm still finding that balance myself. But um, that kind of goes into one of my points because I've written down a couple. So one of them is know your party balance. So know what your character, what your player character's strengths and weaknesses are and build things to challenge them and also build things where they can show off players love to show off yeah I give them that cool off. hero moment build it in there if you know you got a character who had an idea they're like can i use this grappling hook that automatically succeeds to spider-man like i like you, <laughs> you, you want to use it in like combat but can i also use it to spider-man and if they ask you that you go i don't mm-hmm. know maybe we could try it sometime then go when you build that big combat encounter fucking put the uncharted moment in there put yeah. the gigantic mission impossible thing where they get to spider-man across the battle scene like it's it's not hard. You don't have to worry about the rules as written. Like, give them the moments to show off. Like, that's such a that's such a good piece of advice, Jar. Like, I, I have had a lot of GMs who go, well, like, um, if they find a way to do it, but it's not really in the rules, fuck that. Like, put moments in there that make your players feel cool. They will thank yeah. you for it. They're going to think you're that's awesome because you did that. That's something I learned late. So that's something I didn't even learn until, like, I want to say in the past, like, couple months to a year is just, like... I was, especially in combat, I was just using the blocks and I was, you know, just changing a couple of things like hit points because I had a player who was a wizard and hits for gazillion damage. <laughs> so you just add in like tens and twenties. So I'm like, every time I didn't, I got great advice on Twitter. Don't write the HP until after round one. And I yep. did it once and I'm like, perfect. So this person has 500 <laughs> HP. Thank you. <laughs> That's such a good piece of advice. Who'd you steal that from on, on Twitter? Do you know? Can we credit them? Oh my gosh. I think it's, uh, I will look it up because I feel, Becca, it's one of our patrons, Becca. Oh, Becca, Becca you rock. That's great advice for first time GMs that and long time GMs. Um, I get into so a lot great. of fights with some people at our table even sometimes where, again, rules is written combat is fun for a lot of people. 
it's not it so is. much fun I'm... for for me and a lot of people at our table you know i can just I feel <laughs> confident in saying that and yeah. uh i a similar piece of advice i heard it came from brennan lee mulligan and he actually got it from a kid at one of his summer camp events that he talks about it's one of my favorite quotes of his is they were watching the kids gm and they walked over and they weren't keeping track of the dragon stats and he asked, he's like, how do you know when the dragon dies? And the kid looks up at him full earnestly and goes, when well, he's not fun to fight anymore. Oh, I have heard that story. Yeah, it, it's one of my favorite stories. Story. And I've That's always great. tried to do a version of it. But after hearing that, I'm like, no, 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 that is my rule. So I write, I do the same thing after round one. I figured out like, if, is people having fun? But I gauge it for the rest of the combat too. Like if it's going mm-hmm. too long, I go, you know what? You kill it. How do you kill it? It was so cool. The first 20 that comes up, I'm like, fuck, how do you murder this thing? Or you set yeah. up the cool thing. Like, Char, uh, I think, what combat was? I think it might have been early on in the game. Um, you were fighting a serial killer, and you set up the NPC who you really, really like to do a cool thing with the axe. And I kind of gave, I kind of looked around. I was like, is everyone having fun? And you all were, but I could tell them, like, this might have gone one or two, like, rounds too long for this to be interesting and mm-hmm. i started to talk about the person's axe and i was going and you all hyped up you're like oh i hope she cuts his head off and i was like that's exactly what happens actually yeah even though he had 55 hit points left i'm like fuck that no 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 yeah the, the guy is murdered the axe cuts his head off and everyone's super hyped like it's okay you are god in this world if you're gm like it's okay to go you know what do the dragon make decisions has 100 hit points instead make decisions that you see like when you see your players light up when you see that look yeah, in their eyes, which thing, is again right? why I, even when I'm playing online, I love doing it like with video, like do it like you see them get so excited and invested in it. And now I'm doing that in combat and I'm figuring out ways to do that in combat that just make combat so much more enjoyable and that I totally recommend any new GM to also do. Don't keep track of uh, hit points until the end of the first round. Um, and also know your party balance and know, you know, who can do what cool thing. Initiative was a good one. And I think just the random nitty gritty one, the last one I had written down was know the difference between the different checks. There are a lot of different checks that you can make. Oh, it's yeah. kind of overwhelming. Um, knowing the difference between what's a history check and what's an arcana check and knowing that um, arcana checks don't tell you what kind of spell or what kind of school of magic it There's is. A spell it just for tells that. you there is a literal spell for that. There are two spells for that. There's the weaker spell, detect magic, and then there's identify, which is the stronger one. So there are spells for that. Arcana checks do not tell you like what specific spell this is. They can tell you, oh, this is a rune that you know to be magical that maybe has roots in A, B, and C, but it does not give you a answer right away and i know a player got frustrated when they found that out and i'm just like listen (laughs) find somebody who can do this and it's (laughs) because in earlier earlier works of the game arcana checks kind of like that's what it was a role for right there wasn't a specific spell for it it was like how Mm -hmm. good is your arcana you know that this is you know this kind of magic or whatever um Mm -hmm. and it makes sense right you have a thing on your sheet that says arcana can i roll that you know but that you know looking at the spell list is a powerful thing for gms too so go read those (laughs) like Mm -hmm. know what those are that leads to one of mine and it's uh like so if you're writing story and and even if you're just like me and char where star story is the thing that you're hyped about and your players love and the rp of it all 
if you're going to do a MacGuffin or a story magic point, right? So say the mm-hmm. door is magically locked. That's not a spell when you think about it, right? But when you go, okay, but somebody did cast that spell on it. You didn't look into the mechanics of it. You weren't worried about it just because you were going to write, it's a story thing. Somebody cast a spell. Go look at the spells and see if there is a spell that does something similar to what you're trying to do for the story. Only because some motherfucker will cast dispel magic on it. Oh, they and will. And you will need to know they what will. level it is and not make it up on the spot. Because let me tell you, if they know that you made it up on the spot and it's mm-hmm. not the result they wanted, someone will be upset. So, it, it, like, and that's okay. You can figure it out. There's lots of ways around that as well. But if I were to give you a piece of advice, it's just like, if you're going to do a MacGuffin spell or it's like a random story thing, just learn what it could be mechanically, even if it's just an inkling, because <laughs> because someone will dispel it and they'll go, well, was it a level five or higher? What was it? <laughs> also, if any of your, ca- know your character's spells. This is something I'm trying to be <laughs> Yeah, definitely, with. right? <laughs> know your character's spells. If one of your players has detect magic, you have to know the school of magic for every fucking spell. And it's why I think I cast it like maybe once or twice in your game. And you're like, oh shit, I don't know. And it took a minute to look up. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Like I've had, I've been on the same receiving end where I forget if a player has detect magic, you just have to know what the school of magic is that they are casting it on. Sometimes you just flat out don't know because the spell magic names and D&D 5e some of them are really easy to remember. Others are not. Yeah, you tell me colloquially, do. what does abjuration means, dear listener? Because let me <laughs> tell you, I didn't know what abjuration was off the top of my head. But However, that goes into the custom GM screen stuff that we talked about, putting the rules that mm-hmm. mattered most. You best believe the schools are on my GM screen now. Because I was like, well, they <laughs> have to tech magic. I will need to know this in the future. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you got me That's that one exactly. time. I was like, "You got me." I have no idea Ooh, what yeah, any of these words mean. You got mean. me. <laughs> that also, I think, kind of leads to another thing that I had. I don't know if that, this fits in with like nitty gritty rule tips, mm-hmm. but it kind of. I think it kind of does, and it kind of doesn't. I watched this video that Ginny D did recently about a piece of advice that she had a bone to pick with. And Ginny D, for those who don't know, she makes great D&D content on Twitter and on YouTube. And oh, she's also a mutual Twitter follower of us now. And oh, I'm like really proud of it. Oh, so name cool. drop, name drop. We're like mutuals now. Um, she's great. I love all of her stuff. And she did this great video about how she has a bone to pick with people who um, have a problem with over planning. Uh. So... She basically, her, and I thought it was really interesting because I had a bone to pick with, you know, over planning and under planning and all that stuff. But the way she described it was really interesting is just, it's my opinion on everything. It's just like every GM is different. Every DM is different. Every process is different. Some GMs barely plan at all and just do a bunch of off the cuff stuff. I did that a lot in my late campaign stuff because I just knew the campaign and the players so well that I could do that. Right. But early campaign, you should see some of my notes. (laughs) They are three pages long for weekly sessions, single spaced (laughs) with a bunch of stuff like like different clip arts drawn on and all this stuff. And it was very elaborate. And she made a really good point is just like if you feel comfortable over planning and you feel comfortable doing like four hours of prep and you have time to do that do it yeah. if you don't feel comfortable 
don't do it. And you will, and just the point of it is, especially when you're doing GMing early, find what fits best for you. Try over planning. And if it makes you feel confident as a DM, especially when you're starting out, keep doing that. When it tires you out, pull back a little bit. And then just don't plan as much. And then find, it's usually, I think people are a balance of both because I know I am. So don't be intimidated when people like tell you to plan this much or don't plan this much. Just do whatever feels most natural to you and then adjust accordingly. And then if you have a good group of people who are understanding and who are your friends and who want to see you succeed, it'll be okay. You'll yeah, be it'll fine. be you'll and you'll know you'll fill out. You go, okay, I didn't plan enough for this session or whatever. And yeah, from there accordingly. We've all been there. Like we've all been there. And I think on top of that, the last point I had written down was having an open communication with your players is yeah. the most important thing about being a GM or DM. It is the most important thing. I am a horrible communicator eighty percent of the time. Twenty <laughs> percent of the time, where I'm a good communicator is because of D and D. But you're great when you're asked is the thing. Like if, when we're like, "Hey, Shar, how about this question?" You go, "Oh yeah, I probably should have said that." But like, but you, uh, but then you say the thing. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm yeah. sure, like you said, I'm sure that's because of D and D, right? Yeah, D and D has helped me a lot. Just be more confrontational, not in a bad way, but saying, "Hey, this thing bothered me." Yeah. Like there was a time a couple months ago where I was DMing the campaign that I had been DMing for over three and a half years at that point. And the players said something in a tone of voice when I was like really stressed and it was in the middle of a it was in the middle of a um a battle. I was really stressed. I was running like a bunch of different villains and an NPC and everybody and it it just didn't seem like the players were having fun anymore and I didn't really know how to balance that. And then one of the two of the players just kind of got a little bit snippy with me and said like the way that I was interpreting a spell was wrong, even though (laughs) I was the GM and I was reading it out for them. And I didn't say anything in the moment, but I ended combat right there. The next round, I'm just like, okay, whoever gets the next round gets to end combat. I'm done. I got really annoyed and I was kind of seething in it for a couple of days. And I talked to the other player in that campaign who was also a GM, like, I don't know how to approach this. What do I do? And she's like, Sharday, fucking talk to them <laughs> your friends. use your words like i always tell my my five and six year old is use your words yeah that's it exactly so she had to push me but i did it and like i felt like you know i had like dry mouth and these are some of my really good if not best friends that i'm talking to about this but confronting him about something they did that hurt my feelings in a moment where i was really stressed even though that's super natural and it doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore it's just you know that introverted very non-confrontational part of me just like chokes up at that but doing it through the lens of D&D like no this needs to be done or else the game from now on is going to be really tense and I'm going to hold this against them and that's not fair so having that open communication and challenging yourself even if you're not confrontational to try to be as communicative as you can so that you can avoid stuff like that or that when stuff inevitably like that happens at the table, you know how to process that because you as the GM should set up from session zero, hey, this is an open communication. You should have a group text if you can. You can have like an entire, I'm thinking of setting up an entire Discord server 
where it's not only just resources, but also like if people want to RP on our time off or something, sometimes we take breaks for a couple of weeks and people get the itch, but nobody really has time because everybody's busy. You can have a server where you could just like RP stuff on the side or something or just have a have a nice safe welcoming space online or in person where you can discuss any problems that come up at the table because they will happen yeah unfortunately and normalizing and, it up front too can be really helpful so it's not yes super awkward when it goes down later on you're like okay we have a rule for this like let's talk this out you know because it is awkward even if you're not introverted and not skittish about being up front like, it still can be nerve-wracking. You're like, hey, don't fucking do that. <laughs> like, that could be, <laughs> that could be hard. That. And it doesn't have to be as confrontational as don't fucking do that, right? But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, but that is all good advice. Also, outline. Like, <laughs> this is completely 180, but, like, outline your stuff uh, when it comes to the planning. Like, if it's going to go for four hours or for 40 minutes, like, if you have an outline... And don't be afraid, like like what we talked about earlier when we we're talking about planning, like whatever every plan is different. But also every plan doesn't have to be the same in your campaign, right? Like yeah. I have sessions where I have three bullet points and that's all I need for the session because like we said, like I know the players, I've been GMing for a long, long time. I know what those three bullet points mean. But I also have sessions where I have twenty seven. And mm-hmm. they're all indented. They're happening at different times. I have timestamps. So when I know when the clock hits noon in game, um, you know, when I say four hours has passed, X event happens. I have shit like that too sometimes. So like it, it varies and it's never the same. And the same goes for the communication stuff is some players need the upfront, like, Hey, don't do that. That's not nice. Or needs the softer touch of, Hey man, like, I don't think so-and-so liked that. You know, like, it's okay to play that referee and also to stick up for yourself that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing that i was going to get to on that note is like you're still a player it doesn't seem like you're a player because you're a referee too but it needs to be fun for you but you also need to acknowledge your feelings like when we talked about what we were all comfortable in our game going forward when we were first starting i had some things where i was like don't do this please not because it's not okay outside of the game not because this is evil or something but i'm like but i will get uncomfortable and i can't run the game well yeah. if i am uncomfortable you're uncomfortable yeah. And so I was just like, hey, can we avoid X? And everyone was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because you're playing the game, too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's the, like, don't forget that you need to be having fun and you need to be comfortable, even if your players really want to do it. And, when they, and sometimes they specifically literally want to do it. And then, like, my rule is we have to fade to black because I do not want to describe that with my friends. No. And that's okay. They want to get that. <laughs> and that's where you have the Discord server that comes in handy. You're like, everyone can get as intimate as they want while I can go and put on my, uh, my uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? My modesty glasses, you know? Like, I can go and make sure that my pants don't show my ankles for fear of titillation. Um, mm-hmm. but like, there's just like little things like that. Like it's okay that not, that you don't have to have the sensibilities of your players. Just remember that you yeah. are a player too. Exactly. And I think people often forget that because the DM has such a higher authority, but it, the DM should also be having just as much fun as the players are because What's you are all company? in the game world. <laughs> like they were like because you're worth it too because you're worth it yeah like like that's like just remember that you're worth it like it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you're worth it you're worthy you're doing an amazing job 
Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we talked about, I, I think that's very clear. We have more tips that we could totally give. We could definitely do a second episode if people enjoy we this could. one. I think we should. I definitely have more tips to give out. And I know you do, too. I will actually write them out. These yeah, are exactly. all off the cuff. <laughs> but, but this was, I think this is great. And I, I honestly, not to toot our own horn, I think this would be very helpful to listen to if you're a new GM. And if I you're an old so. GM, if, you if can people... just tell us why we're wrong. If people do find it helpful or not helpful, hit us up on Twitter or on the website or however. We'd or love to hear about it. CampyKillCreations at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations. And if you drop a buck or two, you can message us directly and you can sign up for one of our polls that we put up. We go, hey, <laughs> did you find our GM tips episode helpful? If you're at the five dollar <laughs> tier, you can say, no, you dumb. No, and you we'll suck. go, exactly. And we're like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> or you can say how awesome we both are because we really need to hear it. Um, we always need to hear it. <laughs> please no one tells us oh we're artists <laughs> please oh my god uh like how many times like you can just tell the people at home how many times a week do i go did you like this thing that i did and you go yeah i i did that's why i told you i liked it i'm like but can you say it again please <laughs> can you say it again you just tell me what you liked about it again uh even though every time i ask you can start you, to like it less um, can you like put it in writing <laughs> so i can that's just look I'm- at it that's why i'm glad whenever i ask people for feedback online is i can screenshot what they said i still have my old advisor's feedback on my final dissertation every time i'm having a bad day i look at it because he is one of the most hard to please men in terms of like writing that i've ever had to deal with but we we found common ground at the end it was one of my crowning achievements as a writing student and he just gave me like this glowing praise that i'd never gotten before that moment and i'm like i'm keeping forever and it's in a word doc on my computer and i will never lose it <laughs> like i look back on it and it's great i printed out one of the Frame few it. uh positive reviews on my comic book when i first sold it i got it was it was, uh, it was five stars but like they were just like oh this was fun and this oh. random Amazon user, and I'm like, yep, yep, I'm going to print that out. I'm going to save that till the end of time. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, because it means a lot to those people. So tell your GMs that you're happy with them. Tell us that you're happy with us over on the Patreon. If you like this, head on over to KilledCreations.com. Check out all of our other podcasts, Shardays on the Slovenly Trolls. I'm on Right in the Fields. Mm-hmm. We're both on Slovenly Fields if you subscribe to that $3 tier on our Patreon, like I mentioned. You can find me at Resident Stevel or at RITF underscore pod on the Twitters. Sharday, where can the people find you? People can find me on the Slovenly Trolls podcast, and I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. Not trolls. Trolls. For fuck's sake, not trolls. I've had a couple people, and this is even more confusing now that we have cave trolls on here. Because if you don't (laughs) know. I know, know, right now we get a double. uh, (laughs) I just heard um, Jesse and James from Pokemon in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare for trouble and make it double. Oh my god, we need to make that meme of just the cave trolls (laughs) and the sloth and the trolls. Oh my god, I'll make that meme. Please do. That sounds awesome. I'll make it. But a little piece of ancient history when it comes to our network. I was on a podcast for a long time for about five years called the cave trolls podcast (laughs) and uh so now that's just coming back up because people are looking this up wrong um it is the cave trolls t-r-u-l-l-s and no matter what google tells you that is a word in fact we didn't make it up it is a word it's it it, it makes more sense for the slovenly trolls i think but um (laughs) 
<laughs> like just be like that being a feminist podcast and all about correcting uh, misinformation when it comes to D and D and our lore rewrites that you can check yeah. out and our Patreon. I'm just gonna keep plugging <laughs> these things. Plug, 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 but plug, trolls plug, is plug. a word, and I'm not gonna tell you what it means here. Go Google it. Because even though Google has the little red line that says that's not a word, if you type it in and press enter, it then contradicts itself and tells you what it means. So just go go do that. Just go look it up. I swear. Define colon troll. <laughs> I don't even think you need to put the colon in there. Really? I was always told you had to put the colon in there when I was doing research in high school. But that was in high school. So uh, maybe they but back, back then, Google didn't work as well um you can still Listen, put the high school in, wasn't but... that long just let me live in my fantasy the high school was five years ago but it you wasn't just... but <laughs> yeah it wasn't uh trust me it's um, <laughs> uh, more than double that there um but if you if you just type in trolls meaning now it'll it'll show you the definition page like google is wonderful you don't have to be smart to use it i use it every day Wow, good for you. I'm really glad you learned how to use the computer finally. It's been uh, a really long time l- coming. L- computer, you're getting way too broad there. I said I know how to use Google. <laughs> like, let's slow down. Let's, <laughs> take, let's take it down a notch. Does this mean that you only use Macs because Macs are for the tech illiterate? Let's put it this way. So I am a professional comic book creator. I draw and write comic books. And I still use Clip Studio Paint because Photoshop is too hard for me. Right. And like, I sell so, these things. People buy these things. They're like, oh, I like this thing that you made, or I hate this thing that you made. It looks like it was made on a cheap piece of tech. And it was. I, I made it in Clip Studio Paint. It's also cheaper than Photoshop. Everything is cheaper than Photoshop because you have to buy the whole goddamn creative suite to get Photoshop. I paid for Clip Studio Paint Premium like seven years ago. And it's been wonderful ever since. I also paid for Photoshop way back then, too, uh, back when you could still pay for Photoshop. Yeah, but now you can't because Adobe sucks. Adobe sucks. Anyways, on that note, if you take anything from this uh, podcast, don't let it be our Patreon. Don't let it be our GM advice. Take away that Adobe sucks. Adobe sucks. Unless they sponsor this podcast, and therefore uh, they're wonderful, uh, great people, and also go buy Coke. (laughs) Imagine me holding up my Coca-Cola. Um Give us money. Even though you literally just said at the top of the podcast you're drinking Mountain Dew. It's great. Okay. I also (laughs) like Coca-Cola. They're not mutually exclusive. You can drink both. I don't mix them together anymore because I'm not 14. Any ew, you okay, that's a whole other podcast (laughs) where you just liked what you just said. I used to mix all the pops together. It was called the bomb. Did it taste good? No, it did not. (laughs) But you didn't anyway. It's like making your own Dr. Pepper, you know? Like what are these 37 flavors? All of them are different doctors ground up in a meat machine yeah it's like the 11 herbs and spices that kfc makes mm-hmm. anyways they're all named herb or spice <laughs> that's a great tiktok <laughs> i love that one <laughs> all right we are the cave trolls and we're out okay now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our patreon producers you keep the lights on you keep the mics rolling and really you make it possible to do all of this we want to give a special shout out thank you to the lorax who gets two special shout outs because i also thank you for speaking for the trees we also have jeremy raymond raymond thank you Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much 
for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you, and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now.